0: Okay, so last week we talked about what? Conflict resolution. Well, she already said that, but specifically. Yeah, we talked about family, we talked about unity, we talked about the importance of us living at peace with one another, and so this week we wanna dive in a little bit more into the, uh, the nitty gritty, so to speak, or the specifics of what should you do when you find yourself in a conflict or in an offense. So, um, let me see if i raise a hand, who has ever been offended? in the room. Okay, I'm not seeing some hands, so let me ask this. Who has never been offended? Because I'm now offended that you just said that. So the bottom line is everybody has at some point in their life they have been offended or they have uh, had an issue or a conflict with somebody that they've needed to resolve. So everybody should be able to apply something in this message. There's a lot of information, so I I want to try to get through it, and hopefully it won't be too boring. So here we go. Um, We talked a little bit last week about how people respond to conflict. We talked about how some people run away from it and some people attack. So here are, in a nice graph form in colors that I drew, is the different responses. So on one end you've got escape, and and we're real good at this one in the church, uh, which starts with the denial. Um, and, we, and a lot of us kind of move in that one. There's not really an issue or we just pretend there's not an issue, we just kind of deny it's not there, it doesn't exist. Uh, or we just run from it altogether and the, the extreme of that is uh, suicide, pretty, pretty severe. The attack responses go from assault to litigation all the way to murder, so um, it gets pretty serious. So obviously there, there are um, the, the not-so-severe and then there's the extreme. Is it getting brighter? Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> I'm, I'm starting to get offended. Okay, so if you notice on the slope, as you move either direction, it, become, it becomes um, private and it becomes very public or, uh, in either direction. Uh, so you get more people involved the further you get to the extremes on those on those responses. Um, it also moves from voluntary when you have the peacemaking, which we're, we're going to go over, uh, peacemaking responses, and those are, those tend to be voluntary. And the further you get, the more um, the less control you have. Uh, both extremes result in greater loss, as you can see. Um, conflict always costs us something, but. Dealing with it privately and not getting other people involved is going to be the most beneficial where there's the least amount of loss involved. Uh, As you can see, both extremes result in death. And um, the escape responses focus on me. How can I I get out of this situation? Or how can can I run from it? Or the attack responses focus on you. Uh, Why did you do this to me? So it's going after you. And then the peacemaking responses, they focus on how we can come together and focus on us. Um, So I just wanted to kind of go over that real quickly and show you the extremes of that of how we deal with our conflict. Because last, last week we kind of talked about uh, how if we don't really resolve it, a lot of times what happens is we just go through it again. So people that run from it, they're just gonna run to the next church and they're going to probably have the same issue at the next church. Uh, in fact, I've, I've heard this kind of story. When, anytime somebody comes into a church and says, my last five churches did this to me and they're terrible, <laughs> I kind of already know. Um, okay, you're, you're, it's probably you. It's probably not the last five churches, so. Okay, then we get into the uh, peacemaking responses, and you can overlook an offense, and we'll talk a little bit more about the first two here, overlook, or you can reconcile, and um, then you got negotiation, which is just kind of coming together and trying to figure things out. Sometimes you get a third party involved, which leads you to mediation, uh, if you're familiar with Matthew 18, and then arbitration, which is uh, actually a legal matter. If you have a material dispute, you take it before like a third party and they legally decide who wins. And then accountability, if you've read Matthew 18, that's where that that person is um, asked to leave the church and that is brought before the church. So, um, let's talk about overlooking for a second. Proverbs 19.11 says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. So, Have you ever heard anybody say, oh, that person just makes me so mad? Or maybe you've said it yourself. Anybody? (laughs) Um, I remember when I lived in Jamaica, uh, the guys would say that a lot. But that person just makes me so mad. And um, we'd have to go through, like, you know, actually, nobody can make you do anything. Nobody can make you feel a certain way. You actually choose anger. And so I've I've tried to really, um, and I'm, I'm, you know... I'm teaching this, but I'm, I'm not the uh, expert here when it comes to my own emotions, but if you can try to start programming yourself to respond in a way that, that says, I'm not gonna get mad when somebody does something to me, because nobody, m- nobody can make me respond a certain way. I have the choice to respond how I wanna respond. So um, instead of somebody making you mad, you be in control and not let them be con- in control of how you feel. And sometimes overlooking is a lot like that. that. Um, It allows us to, uh, instead of responding and reacting, it allows us to pull back and just kind of, uh, basically just kind of say, this thing, I'm not going to let this thing rule me. It allows us to imitate the father who's slow to anger and quick in love. God doesn't deal with us harshly and we should be willing to treat others with the same kind of grace and mercy. And it's a passive process. It's not a passive process. The, overlooking is not where we, we put it into our mental file so that we can pull it out later and use it against somebody in a later date. If you're going to overlook it, that means it is completely done. You have completely moved on and forgiven him. So let me be clear about that. Overlooking is, is completely covering it, just like Jesus does with our sins. Throws it as far as the east is to the west. An example of that is um, in 2 Samuel 16. If you, do you remember the story where uh, Shimei was cursing David? It was right after Absalom took the throne from David. So David is is leaving with his mighty men, and um, sorry, that reminds me of that stuff Christians girls say. Um, uh. <laughs> David's leadi- leaving with his mighty men, and uh, Shimei comes out and starts. <laughs> Y'all are there with me now. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, he start, comes out and starts cursing David. He says, you took the throne from my ancestor Saul and starts hurling insults at him. And um, David's, one of David's mighty men says, um, do you want me to go cut his head off, basically? And uh, David's like, no, 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 I'm willing to. He, he doesn't say overlook, but he says, if this is what the Lord wants, then, then fine. Let me, let me ignore it so that I may, God may even find fav- favor with me. Um, And then Joseph another example in the Bible was in Joseph was in power He had the opportunity when his brothers came in. I mean you remember his brothers threw him in a pit sold him into slavery basically wanted him dead Uh, He went through all kinds of terrible stuff because of that and so he finally rises to a place of power And he's got the the authority to uh, to take revenge to exact revenge and but instead He chooses to overlook the offense and actually bless them and and give them food Um, I I went through this uh, when I was in Jamaica, I had just gotten a bike. Um, you know, when, when you live in Jamaica and you're on this little compound, you have uh, very little mobility. I didn't have a car. And so a bike was like the only way I had to really get around and, and enjoy myself. And so I had I'd asked people in the States to, to send me money for the bike and finally got enough money, was really excited, went out and bought a bike. And about a week later, I got up the next morning and my bike and the, the, my roommate's bike were both gone. I know, it was tragic. I'd only gotten to ride it one week. We went up the mountains, had a great time. That was my only memory of that bike. So, um, not only was my bike gone, but one of, one of the students was also gone that was, uh, had been one of my, one of my friends. He was a, his name was Dion. He was, had been a uh, soccer player for the Jamaican national team and had gotten caught up in drugs. And so he was in the program. You know, it turns out he took both of our bikes, threw them over the fence, and then sold them to uh, a crack dealer for probably just you know one or two quick highs. And um, probably three or four weeks later, he comes, he's outside the front gate, because that's where a lot of the, the addicts would come. They'd sit out there when they wanted to come in the program. And so I see Dion sitting out there, and he's wanting back in the program. He's wanting another chance. And um, yeah, I was, I was pretty upset that he stole my bike. But um, I had this opportunity at that moment to forgive him and to go up to him and say, man, I love you. doesn't matter. And that was a really cool, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I've just grown a little bit. I can feel the maturity. Um, And so it was really, it was really powerful. I could go over there and just, just love on him. And he ended up coming back into the program for a little bit. I think he left again, but he came back into the program and just Love them like a brother. So, um, overlooking can be a really powerful way to extend grace and mercy the way that the Father does to us. <clears throat> okay, so when you can't overlook something, because yes, overlooking is a biblical response, but also so is reconciling, and reconciling comes with that awful word that we hate, confronting, which is always better with coffee, right? <laughs> yeah. As Hosanna calls it, a little CNC, a little coughing correction. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about why it's okay to sometimes confront biblically. Uh, well, some of the excuses we hear are, uh, we aren't to judge. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not to judge my brother. Yeah. Um, who am I to tell somebody else what to do? It's not my place. Isn't it God's job to show where people went wrong? Have you all heard those excuses or said them yourself? Uh, Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Gently. Gently. Uh, James 5.19-20 says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. So um, there are actually scriptural precedents for us to go and and correct one another. Um, When it says judge not, you guys actually know that that word judge is talking about we're not to condemn. We are not a judge in the sense of the gavel, and um, we do not pronounce sentence over people. Because before, right before that, Jesus in that, in that passage talks about, we'll know each other by our fruits. So we can't, in one hand, be discerning the fruits, but yet not judging. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So God did give us discernment, and he gave us the ability to to, um, to correct one another. So, But these verses don't give us a license to go around and just getting up in everybody's business. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm saying. So the Bible warns us, to, it also warns us to not be eagerly looking for opportunities. Anyone who's eager to go show somebody their faults is probably disqualified from doing so. So keep that in mind. Like if you're just quick to go, want to go point out somebody's faults, then you're probably not the person to go do it. Okay, so when should we go confront? Like what, what are some guidelines? Have y'all ever kind of wondered like, Oh, when do I go talk to that person? When do I overlook it? When do I just, you know, let it go? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna give you a few guidelines. <clears throat> Some people think we we should just look overlook everything and they pride themselves in being tolerant. Other people think it's their job to go point out every little thing, and they are become intolerant. People can't tolerate them. So uh, here's a few things. I like what you did there. <laughs> You're so clever. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Okay. Number one, is it dishonoring God? Okay, does God need you to go around and defend his reputation? No. Maybe. Let me give you a scripture. Dang it. <sighs> I'm about to turn the tables on you, which is my scripture reference. Uh, Jesus overturning the tables of the temple. He was concerned about how his house was being perceived. And, and he got kind of PO'd about it, and he went and... Um, flip the tables on everybody. Also another one is Romans 2 verse 23 through 24. You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking it? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. I mean, it's pretty obvious that when we are a poor representation of God, that people are going to look at us and go, I don't really want that. It's not really working for you. Remember how we talked about it last week? If you've got just tons of broken relationships and strife and, you know, all kinds of mess in your life, who in the world is going to go, man, sign me up for that Jesus thing? That looks awesome. Because you're miserable. So, (laughs) you got to be careful about this one. But, um. If, if it's clearly dishonoring God and, and killing that person's witness, then it might be some, a point where you want to go talk to them and, and pull them back from it. Um, no, God does not need you to go, that can, that can get into Westboro Baptist, you know what I mean? Like where the, you know, that can get into holding the signs and it, you can take anything to an extreme, trust me. But um, that is one, one way we can, or one, one rule we can kind of go by. Is it damaging your relationship with that person? <clears throat> so, if you are unable to forgive an offense, and this is how we know that we should probably not overlook it, if it's starting to, to create a wedge or bring a wall between that person, you start feeling that bitterness in your heart, you're, you're like, I, you know, I can't do that. And, and by the way, you might be able to overlook an offense, but if it gets repeated over and over and over again, then you might need to move into the reconcile phase. So is it damage, damaging your relationship with that person? So, if, they, if you find that to be the case, then you need to, that's a really good indicator that you need to go talk to him. <clears throat> okay, another one, is it hurting others? Um, and this, there's a lot of ways that ways it can, ha- can happen. I mean, physical abuse, obviously, is one that, that we definitely need as a as, people of God we need to step into. Uh, God's very clear about justice and defending the fatherless and the widows, those that can't defend themselves. He's very clear about um, his heart for justice. So, um, if it's hurting others, then yes, we need to go in. And, and that's an obvious one, but what about sexual sin? Or... Um, Things like that that Paul actually addresses in uh, First Corinthians, he talks about a little yeast works through the whole batch, and so he commands believers to address serious and open sin quickly and firmly to save other believers from falling into that so even if it's something that that is that could be um, pervasive and and be others could be drawn into, that could also be um, hurting others <clears throat> and then finally, is it hurting the offender if uh if you know somebody that's, for instance, dr- abusing drugs, then that might be a good time to step in if you see that their life is going down the tubes, it's probably a good time. So is it, is it da- dishonoring God? Is it damaging your relationship? Is it hurting others or is it hurting that person? So those are a few little guidelines. Before we can confront though, okay, so now you've you've uh, you've realized that I can I can no longer overlook this. You've realized that um, I'm really mad and uh, I need to go talk to this person. What do we do first? I'm gonna try to give you like a little step by step walkthrough. Get some coffee. Get, that's that is the step number one. Which Starbucks would you like to go to? <laughs> <laughs> or redefined coffee, A little right. plug. Yay. Which I hear is an awesome coffee shop. I've never actually Open got- Open Monday. Yeah, nobody nobody invited me to the pre-opening, but um, that's cool. Monday. <laughs> Just kidding. You're not offended. I'm not offended. But I would, like to, I would like to have the coffee with both of you next week. Okay, Matthew 7, three through five says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Have y'all heard this before? Sound familiar? Okay. Um, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I think a lot of us stop at you hypocrite and we're like, oh crap. (laughs) And we don't read any further. Um, So does this verse say we shouldn't confront? No. No, it says... Let's check our own heart before we do, because maybe there's some stuff in our own heart. Um, but a lot of people use that to discourage confrontation. It's not saying that. Okay, so you're mad, you're ready to have coffee. So the first thing we wanna do is we wanna, we wanna check and see if there's a plank in our eyes. How do we do that? We wanna do some self-examination. oh uh, people don't like that. Um, it's actually it's actually a scriptural thing. Second uh, Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13 is the chapter of love, and the nice stuff. Second Corinthians 13 is the chapter of, of harsh love. Where I read it, Paul is like pretty. He's pretty adamant. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna come with a stick if you guys don't shape up, and you're gonna get a spanking. That's basically what he's saying. I'll I'll prove it to you. He says in verse 10, I'm writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come. For I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to strengthen you, not to tear you down. Um, But in verse 5, he says, because he's basically, he's he's addressing some sin in Corinth. Um, So he basically says in verse 5, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. And so he's basically saying, check your own heart. And, and this is not a thing of, let's get into condemnation, let's get into guilt, let's get into shame. Um, that's not what this is. This is not one of those things where we beat ourselves down to the point where we're not worthy to do ministry, we're not worthy to blah, 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 blah. That's not what this is. This is a, a self-examination of, what did I do wrong? <clears throat> and a lot of us kind of abide by the 40-60 rule. We go... Well, you know, I was a little bit wrong. Uh, I was 40% wrong. They were 60% wrong, so not my problem. Um, and so we kind of justify brushing things under the rug by that. Um, but it's really good for us to, to when we're in that, that situation of conflict, for us to just really go check our hearts and go, Lord, what, what did I do? And, and I, I'll do this a lot of times when, when a conflict happens. I'll just kind of, and the best time to do this is when your emotions have cooled down don't do this right after you've gotten out of the conflict. You're probably always going to be right in that case. Um, but let it cool down for a little bit and then just you know, give it some time and, and think through everything that you said, everything they said. How did I say it? How, you know, and just, just figure out. And I bet, I bet you'll kind of start coming up with some things. Oh, I could have done that different. I could have said that a little different. Uh, you know, I was frustrated, so that probably didn't come out right. Um, or if you're going through it and you're going, I didn't do anything wrong. And Maybe you didn't. Sometimes that's, that's the case, but if you're going, I can't see anything, I am, there is nothing wrong with me, then let me challenge you to go ask one of your close friends, because uh, they are pretty good mirrors, and they can, uh, they can see the flaws that you can't see. So, um, but be willing to hear what they have to say. So do some self-examination. Walk yourself through the whole process. Ask a friend if you need, and let me, let me say this as a caveat. When I say go ask a friend, don't go ask 20 friends, so that you can go tell everybody what happened and, and you know, I just need your advice, um, church, uh, so-and-so did such-and-such. Such. You can get into gossip real fast with that. So just pick one, maybe two people that you really trust that are spiritually mature, that are your close friends. Um, like, I definitely wouldn't go to David or anything for that, so... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just teasing. I would go to you, David. <laughs> so do some self-examination. Okay, number two, uh, repent. So when you figure out what you've done wrong, ask the Lord for forgiveness. And and this is, means like a, you know, you guys know this, genuine change. It's not, it's not a simple, um, just Lord forgive me. But it really means like actually changing what you're doing or how you're feeling. And a lot of times, here's here's what we need to remember with repentance. A lot of times we kind of feel bad until we get caught and then we feel really bad. Um, So there's a difference between worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is, I got caught, man, I feel terrible. Um, Godly sorrow is, I broke God's heart, I I wronged Him. Uh, So repentance means actually tapping into that godly sorrow and not just, uh, I got caught, I got busted. (laughs) So self-examine, repent. And then the, the third thing that you should do in this whole self-process before you go talk to the person is forgive. Always, 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 always forgive. Nelson Mandela said, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. I think that's a powerful statement. He also was attributed to the, uh, the one I've heard Jeremy say, uh, is uh, holding on to resentment is like, swallowing poison and expecting my enemy to die. So you've always got to forgive. Matthew 18, uh, verse 31, he talks about the same thing. It's that parable where he says, um, the, you know, the debtor didn't forgive that little bitty debt, and so the, the guy he owed the big debt throws him in prison, and he says, basically, I'm going to hand you over to the tormentors. And Jesus very specifically says, this is what I'm going to do to you. This is what my Father is going to do to you. If you can't forgive, you're going to be handed over to the tor- tormentors. Uh, so, resentment and bitterness and those kind of things are are just poison to your soul and can can really lock you up. So always forgive. Okay, so now, we've dealt with ourselves. we're getting a pretty good grasp on what we've done wrong and and we've repented and uh, we've forgiven. So moving on to the actual redefined experience or the Starbucks experience where we're like, all right, hey, can we get together and talk? Let's, let's read Matthew 18, because this is, a, this is like one of the, the uh, hallmark scriptures for dealing with confrontation. Matthew 18, verse 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that you may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If they still refuse, take the case to the church. If they won't accept the church's decision, then you kick them out, basically. And I've, I've seen this uh, demonstrated. And um, Jeremy had a great story about that uh, from Morningstar, where they, they actually, it was an unrepentant, it was an adultery situation, and they brought it before, you know, they followed the whole steps. She was very unrepentant, and they finally just said, okay, we've got to ask you to leave, and they told the church. Um, which is, sounds really severe, but, um, but that is the biblical outline. So the first step is just going to that person mano y mano, which means hand in hand, right? Um, sorry, we were talking about that the other day. So, going, going, and so this, this, like we said, it only gets you and that other person involved. It doesn't become a public affair. And that's where the, the least amount of damage is going to happen is when it's just you and that other person. You're not getting other people involved. <clears throat> So you, you call them up, you're like, hey, let's go to Starbucks, I need to talk to you. Uh, and your heart, all the while, is, is thinking, what? I, I wanna be restored to this person. It can't be, I gotta show them, I figured out where I was wrong, now I want I, you know, I, I've gotta show them where they were wrong. There, I guess there's a little bit of an element to that because sometimes you, do, you are doing that. But your main goal is I want to be restored to that person. I want them to be restored to God and I want to be restored to them because we talked about last week just how important peace was and unity was to the body of Christ. <clears throat> and you can kind of get a glimpse of this. all right? I've, I I've noticed that little section about confrontation about how t- you go to uh, privately, then you go two or three. It's right before that is when Jesus goes after the, the one, the one sheep that's lost. So it's this story about Restoration and bringing that one back and then he talks about this is how you confront and then it's the parable of forgiveness that we just talked about so confrontation is sandwiched in between restoration and Forgiveness and so I think that was very intentional that Jesus had his heart his heart was to tell people if you're gonna do this It's all about restoration going after the one that one being restored and then forgiving So that has got to be the reason why we go all right, so you've ordered your latte, you sit down privately. <clears throat> Here's a couple of things. Now, every, every situation is different, right? Like, you can't, you can't script out how you're gonna do this. You sorta of can, but everything's gonna be so different, so I can't just give you a pattern or a formula, but I do wanna talk about a few things that I think will help you in this before you, before, as you're preparing to sit down. Um, make charitable judgments. Charity means giving. Um, Give them money, yes, buy them off. No. (laughs) So you either need to be rich or very nice. No, it means that when it comes to uh, other people's motives or actions, don't jump to conclusions. Give people the benefit of the doubt. It's so easy that when we're, when we're emotional and we're worked up and we're angry to begin to start spinning all these things in our head and start, I mean, you, you can like make up a whole delusional story about this person if you want to, right? Have you guys done that before? Um, giving charitable judgments or making charitable judgments believes that we're it says that we're going to believe the best about that person regardless of what they just done we're going to go through and we're going to find out okay you know what I'm I'm so mad right now and but they've done this good, good they've been they've done this well they're this they're that so you're remembering the things that are good about this person and you're you're not just jumping to the worst case scenario <clears throat> So always try to embrace the positive over the negative. Okay, another another thing is choose the right time and the right place to confront. Like um, I've had some friends who are worship leaders that uh, I'm just kidding that had uh, you know somebody come up and address an issue five minutes before they're about to go lead worship. And it's just wrong place, wrong time. Because uh, the only thing that they're thinking about now is not the Lord, but they're probably trying to push this emotional thing that just happened. Um, so you've gotta choose the right time and the right place. Um, and make sure you have enough time. If you're doing it right then, you're obviously not getting time, so make sure you've got enough adequate time to address the issue. All right, talk in person whenever possible. This is a big one. Um, Text, email, probably the worst way you can um, try to communicate with somebody. You can't see, huh? Facebook. (laughs) Facebook is okay because you can see their face. (laughs) Let's just say all social media, any written form, because when you're talking to somebody, you can see how they're how they're responding. You can see how their facial expressions. You can hear the emotion in their voice. You know, a great example is if I text the word whatever, to you. You know, uh, that can have so many different meanings. It can be like, whatever, or, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> now, the, the, the uh, exclusion to this is in a, an abusive situation, obviously, face-to-face is not the best way to do it. But when it's not, when it's not dangerous, then always, always, always choose face-to-face. You know, and if you just can't do it, do it on the phone, because uh, at least you can hear, you can hear voices, you can hear the inflections. Um, communicate clearly. You guys ever, you know, the who's on first, what's on second, um, that whole deal. Sometimes you can say something, and and it can be taken like your intent, your heart is so right, but uh, it's it's misconstrued completely wrong. It's not good enough to communicate so that you can be understood, you should communicate so clearly that you cannot be misunderstood. That's good. <clears throat> this happened um, in World War II, if I can pull it up. Uh, at the end of World War II in 1945, the Allied leaders came together and uh, Japan was still had, still had not surrendered, and so they drafted up this... Um, Basically, terms of surrender, and it was very strongly worded, and it had a little clause in there that said any negative response is going to be provocation. Um, so, if you if you don't respond, if negative response, we're coming after you, um, because they were they had you know dealt with the kamikaze thing, they were just ready for this thing to be over. So they sent over this thing, and um, the Japanese prime minister at the time. It wasn't really, didn't really want to respond. The, the, the press was on him. You know, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And so the, the, uh, his response was one word. And it was, uh, where's Casey? Okay. I just want to make sure I'm saying it right. But I'm probably not. Mokusatsu. Satsu. And that could, that could be com- uh, interpreted as, was that perfect? Perfect? No. Okay. <laughs> Okay, see. Um, anyway, that, that word can mean uh, several things. It can mean um, no comment, because he's talking to reporters. Or it can mean um, uh, silent contempt. In other words, I'm going to silently just, you know, give you the bird kind of deal. So um, what happened is 10 days later, uh, we dropped a, an atomic bomb on... Was it Nagasaki? or Hiroshima, first. All because of a misunderstanding in how things were communicated. So, and, and you know, in researching, there's, there's a whole bunch of other examples where wars were started because, or, or a whole bunch of people lost their life because of a miscommunication. So it's really important that we're, when we're in our own little war here, to communicate properly. And sometimes I've actually planned out what I was going to say, um, you know, standing in front of the mirror, and, rehearse it and go over it and go over it not really but i do in mentally mentally i will kind of plan out you can't you know you can't plan out a whole conversation because it's fluid it's, it moves but um, you can at least kind of think through how i want to say that how do i want to say that it's not going to come across as offensive more offensive it's not going to come across as i'm better than you it's not going you know you know what i mean you just really want to choose your words carefully okay one more little thing avoid the fallacy of overgeneralization do you know what that is? Yeah. That's about the only thing I remember from sociology class, which I, which I enjoy, but it's the only thing I remember. Um, and what that is is, um, is when you say, you're always negative. You never do that. Um, and so what that does is when, when you come to the table and you start resolving conflict is now you're arguing about whether they always do that or they never do it, and and then you've totally lost sight of the, the issue at hand. So avoid avoid those things, uh, the alwayses and the neg- I mean the nevers, those kinds of things. Um, you know, sometimes when you do this, uh, blah 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 blah. All right, I've got more, but how long have I been going? Who cares? It's awesome. <laughs> Ten o'clock. <laughs> I'll pay you later. Coffee. coffee. coffee he works at a coffee shop. That doesn't, help. that doesn't work. Okay, So when you're face-to-face, here's a couple other little tips. So those were kind of like some things you need to keep in mind when you, before you get there. Uh, but when you're face-to-face, uh, w- one thing that you should really do is listen. Be a good listener. Uh, James 1.19 tells us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Good listening demonstrates that you are engaged, that you actually want to hear, that you value what that person is saying. So here's a couple of listening tips. And the first one, I just want you guys to all take this first one in. Um, Wait, let the other person finish talking. Don't interrupt. That is, if you know me, that is my biggest pet peeve. uh, that's my biggest pet peeve is when people interrupt because what it says to me is you don't value what I have to say or it's not that interesting or I'm boring or whatever Um, it it just tells me that that you don't value what I have to say so don't interrupt people that's one tip for for listening how to be a good listener that just shuts somebody down that shuts me down (laughs) Never mind. I was gonna tell a story Um, Okay, attend. In other words be present. Um, The human mind can think at least four times faster than a person can talk. So a lot of times what we do, you're probably doing to me right now, is that (laughs) when we're talking or somebody else is talking uh, you're thinking about what you're gonna say next. And so a lot of times when that happens you completely miss a good you know 50% of what that person just said or you didn't hear it all and so maybe your response isn't even gonna be accurate because you were too busy thinking about what you're gonna say. Okay, so wait for them to finish, be present. Um, Another way you can show that you're listening is you can clarify what the person just said. So, you know, are you saying that I'm a jerk? Is that that what you were saying? Um, Or I'm I'm confused about when you said that um, I said blah, 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 blah. You know, just stuff like that you can kind of clarify. It shows that you're listening. It shows that you care about what they're saying, and and it clears up any mistakes or, or misunderstandings that you may have had. Okay, so clarify, and then for reflecting, which um, is one of my least favorite ones, but I do it all the time, and that is just simply paraphrasing or saying it back to the person. Um, so what you're saying is that um, you don't like it when I'm late to prayer. Uh, <laughs> that is what I said. right? <laughs> So what you're saying is you'd want me to be on time? You should never be late again. Okay. You see how I did that? I Reflected. Okay, so those those are some good ways you can you can cuz being a good listener goes a long way. A lot of times people just want to be heard. They they aren't always cont- uh, you know wanting to hear what you have some great advice or whatever. And this could, this could be more than just conflict, but a lot of times people just want to be heard. They want to get off their chest. And when, when they do, they're good. They're done. So be a good listener. Um, and confession. So this is my confession. Is that how that song goes? Is that how it goes? I feel like I'm speaking... T- you know every song. I feel like I'm Japanese again. All right. Turning Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. <laughs> okay, so confession. <laughs> Alright, so th- this, this involves both parties, the confession part. Um, you've obviously done some self-examination, and you've realized where you're going to be wrong, so this helps you. And if you're the person that was a total jerk, then this will help you too, because both of you, there's probably going to be confession, hopefully if it goes well, on both sides. Um, and that's one of the, the biggest ways we can just destroy the enemy's shame and guilt over us is we just get out to the light, confess it one to another, and then it doesn't really hold us bound anymore. Alright, so how, how can we confess in a positive way? The seven A's of confession. Y'all ready? And then we're almost done. Okay. <laughs> I came up with these myself, I didn't actually, I, conf- I confess, this is out of a book. <clears throat> Address everyone involved, okay, so if, if I wronged David and nobody else was there, then I would just go to David and say, sorry man, Yada yada yada. Um, but if I offended a whole group of people at once, like if I said something horrible up here, then my confession needs to go as big as my offense. Does that make sense? So if I've offended all of you in the room, then I need to confess to all of you in the room. If I offended just the worship team by telling them that they did an awesome job, then then I would just talk to the worship team. So make sure you address everyone that was involved in your your offense. All right, number two, second A. Avoid the words if, but, or maybe when you're confessing. I'm sorry that I got mad, but what you said really pissed me off. You see how that really just takes away from my confession? All of a sudden, I don't really think you're that sorry. So that one little word, uh, that one little conjunction word, um, really really messes up your confession. Or, um, uh, I'm sorry if I did something to offend you. What what does that say? It means I don't have a clue why you're mad. Um, Or I don't want to tell you why because I'm too arrogant, too prideful. Um, So if you take those words out like, uh, I shouldn't have lost my temper, but I was tired. Um, You could even take that word but out and be okay. I shouldn't have lost my temper, I was tired. You see the difference? It really changes things, so just avoid those those little words that make you look a little bit better than you probably are. <clears throat> okay, admit specifically. The more detailed and more specific you are when making your confession, the more likely, likely you are to receive a positive response. Being very specific lets that other person know that you genuinely understand what you did was wrong and why it was wrong. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some confessions here. And um, I'm going to build upon it. So if I just start out with, "I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings," all right, that's pretty good. But why? W- what? What did you do? Um, well, I'm sorry that I hurt feelings. I know that when I called out your faults in front of everybody, that was wrong. Um, so I, I, there, I. What? But. But. You got a big nose, so. Um, no, I'm kidding. I wasn't talking to him. I was just. A, I've got small Oh, crap. Coffee? Um, so that second one, I, I identified the outward action, the outward action being that I called out the, the faults in front of everybody. Um, okay, let me build on that even further. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. I know that when I called out your faults in front of everyone, I was wrong. I realized that I was carrying resentment towards you because I felt insignificant. So I, I identified outward action as well as I identified my sinful attitude. So the... Um, and you can even go as far to, you know, show them you realize where in God's word you went wrong. Like, you know, show the scripture. Um, so the more specific you can be in your confession, the more detailed you can be, the, uh, the more positive response that you're going to get from the person, the more genuine um, you're going to sound. Okay, number four. Acknowledge the hurt. Make it a point to acknowledge and express how sorrowful are. You know, like, like I said, I'm sorry if I hurt you. Um, doesn't really doesn't really identify how did I hurt you. So, um, I can see why you were hurt when I didn't come to watch you play in that, that Little League game, David. <laughs> I know that was important, important to you and I failed to make my commitment. So, acknowledge the hurt and um, <clears throat> let the person know why. Alright, number five, accept the consequences. The prodigal son was a great example of this. When he returned, he was willing to just be a servant. He's like, I screwed up, I spent all my money, or your money, my money, and um, I've got nothing left, so whatever you need to do, I'm willing to accept the consequences. And um, of course the Lord said, oh, forget that, you're back in, buddy, and uh, killed the fatted calf. So be willing to accept the consequences, because a lot of times when there has been mistrust or there's been broken trust, uh, it, it's going to take some time to rebuild the, uh, the trust. Trust is not something that's automatically given, forgiveness is but trust is earned and it's built. So um, you might have to, you know, just spend some time repairing that bridge. Okay, number six is alter your behavior. Um, It's good to confess and it's good to understand what you did wrong and why you did wrong, but um, if you don't change the original problem, then you're gonna be back in the same spot probably pretty soon. So when you get together with them, you know, and I've, I've had to do this too, I've had to sit down and say, you know, this is what I did wrong and these are the steps I'm going to take to correct it. And, um, and at least acknowledging that and knowing, knowing how you're going to fix the problem, um, I promise I will put the toilet seat down every time. <clears throat> I don't know why that, that is always such, I, I'm going to, do not anybody take my idea, I'm going to invent a toilet seat that has like, like, like a little sensor on it that will automatically go down after like, dang it, dang it, so is my laser lawnmower. I invented that when I was a kid. <clears throat> yeah, I had a friend that chopped his toe off, and so thought that would be a good way to cut the grass and save your toes. Yep. Okay. Anyway, so alter your behavior. Um, and number seven, the last thing you can do when you're talking to that person is is just ask them for forgiveness. Um, even if they don't extend it to you right away, you know, say, "Hey, blah blah blah. You said all the stuff. You've done it right. Will you forgive me?" Um, and get, give them a second to process it, or you, or even like, "Hey, um, this might be. A, if it's a very serious thing, you might say, you know, hey, take a day or two. Let's let's talk later.' Um, but I, your forgiveness is important. So always ask for the forgiveness." And if you've done all this stuff, you probably don't, you may not even have to do all that thing. You know, if it's a minor thing, you might just say, hey, man, I'm sorry, love you. I really didn't mean to hurt. And you may be good. You may not have to go through all those steps. But if it's more serious, the offense or the sin, then sometimes you've got to go through that whole deal. And sometimes they may not forgive you. <clears throat> so at that point, what do you do if you've, if you've gone through the whole deal and you're still not getting any resolution? you can either get a second person involved, somebody that you trust, you can bring them in, and um, kind of the mediator, and I've done that before, that's a lot of fun. Um, But sometimes it helps to have that third party kind of hear objectively both sides of the story and go, okay, you guys are kind of saying the same thing, you're just saying it differently. That's happened a ton of times, where it's just two, two parties just aren't hearing each other um, and it's really just a minor little tweak. So sometimes that's really helpful to, to just bring in a third party, um, or you may just choose to go ahead and at that point go. You know, what? I'm gonna overlook it. You know, you write back down to overlook. Um, or you may just you may just postpone it and try to deal with that at a later time. But the most important thing is is that you are going after restoration and peace with one another that love prevails over all of it and if you can walk away with love in your heart and, and we've we've been through stuff like that here in this body and i know you guys have been through stuff like that too here where there's some very very difficult hard situations and and you know what some of them aren't even resolved yet but if i can and there, there's we tried. There, there's effort made, and um, but at some, at one point you have to just kind of let those things go and say I'm I'm gonna love and I'm gonna forgive regardless if that person never talks to me again if they never um, if they're never in my life if they never care about me I'm gonna forgive I'm gonna love and I know that my heart's free after that and I'm gonna move on um, so. I just wanna encourage you tonight, we're not gonna have any kind of uh, big altar call, or um, I'm not gonna to try to rile you up, but um, what I want you to walk away with is a couple of things. One, if you have unforgiveness, if you have bitterness towards anybody in your life, deal with it, deal with it tonight. Um, be willing to forgive and to let, this, let it go. Um, and the second thing is, is if you have something with somebody, uh, we talked about last week that, that God values our peace and our unity uh, more so than he does even you coming to worship. Um, he talks about before you lay, lay your gifts at the altar, go. If some, if you even know that somebody has something against you, it doesn't even matter if it's you're mad at them. If they're mad at you, go to them and make things right. Then come back, bring your gift. So it's really important that we grab a hold of this and that we, that we just without love and without unity, we lose power. We lose the ability to go effect, be effective in the body of Christ. Yeah. So, for my sake, and for, for all of our sakes, because we want, we, if one can put a thousand and two can put ten thousand, how many in this room, I mean, it's exponential. It's like, it's like at least a million. <laughs> so, anyway, um, Mason, are you back there? You awake? Okay, good. Uh, can you put some music on? And uh, right. you can do it from a phone. Uh, I'll play it from my computer and turn it up really loud. <laughs> <laughs> Majesty, whoever <laughs> <laughs> I am. Uh, you almost ready? <laughs> now, um, but just just make things right tonight. If you if you need to go, call call somebody or or send an email. I don't recommend that, but you need to ask somebody to coffee, whatever it is, just get things right tonight because it, it's not worth you being in prison, it's not worth your emotions being tangled.